Welcome to the Zero Hour Podcast, sponsored by Beecher Madden, the podcast that gives you the insights, techniques, and tools into top guests from the cybersecurity, governance, forensic, and data world. Welcome to the latest episode of the Zero Hour Podcast and your host today is Carla Reffold. We are joined by Jim Filipov, who is the Head of Global Business Development for Entertainment and Media at Airdetal. In his fourth year with the company now, he's responsible for developing new projects and initiatives, most recently launching the Trusted Home Project. Jim has extensive experience in the service provider industry, having served as the founder and CEO of Extra TV, a Ukrainian company. He's also founded several MMDS operators and an ISP in the region, managing several hundred staff and large deployments of capital. Hope you enjoy Jim, thanks very much for joining me today. Thank you, Carla. Happy to be here. Tell us a little bit about you. Um, where were you born? Where did you grow up? Okay, sure. So um, originally from uh, New York City. Um, that's where I was sort of born and raised uh, in, uh, in New York. Um, and uh, eventually went on uh, to study uh, university. I studied... Um, Soviet politics, it's revealing my age that the Soviet Union was still around in those days. <laughs> and uh, uh, basically I graduated just around the time when the Soviet Union um, broke up. And uh, that, uh, well, that sort of background, and I'd also studied some Russian uh, while I was there, uh, led me to um, go over to that region. And uh, I got eventually got involved with various businesses in the telecommunications field. Uh, eventually starting um, some pay TV operations in the region, uh, in some of the various uh, republics. Uh, and uh, those were um, kind of doing well for, for some time. Eventually we sold out of those businesses. And um, then um, I would always been working uh, over the years with the uh, security provider Airdato, uh, which was providing a kind of security co for uh, pay TV operators called conditional access, which allows for uh, you to encrypt your video stream so you can um, provide a more secure service. And uh, then I uh, ended up uh, coming over and working uh, for a data uh, after uh, after those uh, operations were finished. So um, that happened about four years ago. And so I've been with uh, AirData now for four years, uh, working out of the uh, Amsterdam office, uh, which is the headquarters globally. And I don't know if you know much about Erdato, but I could I could talk a bit about the company if, if that would be helpful. I think, yeah, absolutely. We'll, we'll come on to that. So do you remember when you first heard about cybersecurity and what it was? Hmm. <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, you know, I think the, the term cybersecurity started coming around when uh, the internet uh, started becoming prevalent when we, we started realizing that there's actually uh, security concerns around this this great new thing called the internet and there are um, hackers that can uh, get into machines. There are things called viruses. I think I do remember some of the first viruses I had on my computer, which were annoying these worm viruses, you know, which, which send out emails to all your contacts. 
which were going around in those days before we started really have it being well educated in terms of you're not supposed to click on executable files and things of this nature and to have you know robust antivirus on on all your machines uh so you know it is a a, a fascinating field and it's continually um growing and um uh, evolving, uh, the need for cybersecurity uh, goes up as uh, connectivity becomes more prevalent and, of course, is becoming more and more prevalent uh, on a daily basis. Well, it is, and especially as everyone's kind of moved to work from home. So now I know our data covers a couple of different business lines, so why don't you break those down for us? Sure. Uh, so first of all, Erdato, um, we have a, a quite a, a rich history. We're 50 years old as of last year, so 51 now. Um, we uh, have have been actually in the, as I mentioned, in the in the security business, securing uh, video streams and other types of um, uh, content uh, from the very early days, uh, since before the internet existed. So we kind of got started. Uh, securing consumer devices in the home, like your set-top box, that used to be the main form of, uh, of sort of a connectivity, bringing in the content from uh, from your pay TV operator or from your satellite connection, whatever you, you have. And we were protecting uh, content uh, on those devices in that environment uh, for some time. So that is sort of our core uh, businesses in the uh, video content um uh, protection area. So we've branched out since then to um, OTT solutions. So your your uh, you know online video uh, providers. You know such as uh, not not a customer of ours, but such as Netflix. That those type of uh, those type of providers. Basically, you know lots of operators, pay TV operators, have their own solution uh, for um, uh, an OTT offering. You know uh, online uh, being able to watch movies and shows online and we provide protection of that content to make sure that uh, it's safe secured uh, and we can uh, work against uh, piracy so people can't steal that content illegally um, we also uh, worked with the studios so we can um, pr protect studio content from the day it's uh, essentially made and released and put on a tape we can track it all the way through uh, the value chain uh, and since the last 20 years, uh, we've been uh, branching out into uh, more different types of uh, protection, protecting devices, cybersecurity. We purchased a company called Cloakware in Canada um, about 20 years ago. And through that type of technology, which essentially um, helps to obfuscate software, so any software which is delivered in a kind of what we consider hostile environment outside of a corporate firewall, um, is potentially a, a target for hackers, depending on the value of the target. And uh, so what our software uh, tool can do is protect that software, uh, change it uh, in a way that it can't become understandable to hackers. So scrambling it uh, with, with algorithms and encryption codes, and then making it uh, such that it's a renewable type of a scrambling so that if a hacker does try to figure it out, we can renew uh, the, the scramble, change it around, and uh, make it uh, happen in such a way that uh, it becomes very difficult and very challenging for hackers to, um, to, to really make any kind of headway with that type of solution. 
And uh, that's really gone uh, very well for us. And through that solution, as well as our other solutions, we have about 6 billion devices globally covered with our uh, various forms of, um, of security. Uh, so it is uh, important to us that, uh, you know, devices are secure. That's our mission to secure, make the online experience, the connected experience safe and secure so people will um, feel uh, protected. Uh, and we work through uh, various partners to do that. We've been expanding recently uh, into uh, other fields. So we now have a medical uh, solution, medical division. We have a uh, uh, connected transport uh, division. We work with some large automobile manufacturers to provide security for the connected car because, you know, it's it's said that the, the, the cars these days are basically computers uh, with wheels driving around and they're, they're all connected for the most part, the new ones going out. And so they also need uh, a form of security to make sure uh, the, the critical systems in the cars are protected. So we, we do that. Uh, a year ago, we launched um, a service called Trusted Home, which uh, protects um, the home uh, experience. So being able to uh, connect to your home router and uh, have all of your devices in the home under a certain level of protection, um, as well as adding things like parental controls and um, Wi-Fi management to make that whole experience uh, for home users using Wi-Fi better uh, and more secure. So I think that covers our, our main areas of, of operation. We have about 15 offices uh, globally, about 1,000 employees around the world, um, mostly uh, engineers who are uh, working hard to uh, in improve and create new, new security solutions. So that's a little bit of overview of uh, what we do. Well, you're in some really interesting areas there for security. So let's talk about the the trusted home um, line because I know that that won uh, most uh, an innovative award at the Cybersecurity Awards recently, um, and obviously with everybody sort of moving to work from home this year, you know what have you what have you seen there? Have people taken their security in their home life a little bit more seriously than maybe they were before? Yeah, uh, well, that's that's a very interesting one. I think it, it's clear to us, and we've done research around this, that um, people are concerned about their their security, though not always do they understand what they can do about it, and and with good reason. It's not that simple uh, to create a, a uh, really secure home network. Now, as you mentioned, the problem of people working from home has really exacerbated. Uh, the security situation. So, and, and we've seen a report a little while ago, it was a month or two ago from Interpol, uh, warning uh, companies about this particular threat, because what you're having here is the fact that um, many of these corporations are uh, uh, you know, previously behind a corporate firewall, and they had all of their work uh, happening from behind that type of an environment. And with the, the shift to working from home, Many of their um, top tier uh, workers, employees, and, and all employees, and in fact, in many cases, had to switch to doing that same work, but from uh, the home network, which doesn't have the luxury of being behind that corporate uh, firewall. So this has increased exponentially. Uh, 
the amount of hacks that are happening, in some cases targeted hacks to uh, targeted corporations where uh, hackers see this as a window of opportunity because the home network has often been left out of the picture when it comes to advanced cybersecurity uh, solutions. Um, operators haven't always seen that as a, as a top priority. Um, we do know we've done research. Uh, we polled about 4,000 people in four different uh, countries across Western Europe and the US uh, to, and asked them how they felt about cybersecurity and what they felt uh, needed to be done. What we found is that 100%, I mean, it was 100 in each country, everybody felt they were very concerned about their cybersecurity uh, picture. Um, what they could do about it, they weren't so sure. Uh, when we asked the question, are you willing to pay for better cybersecurity, uh, something like in the range of, you know, 80, 70, 80% said they would and, and pay some significant fees for that. Um, there's a lot of noise out there about cybersecurity. There's a lot of um, articles in the press, you know, such and such a device has been hacked and, you know, everybody has this device. Such and such a, a type of camera is now uh, vulnerable. Um, you know, almost every day, if you read even the mainstream uh, press, um, there's articles about new types of threats. So consumers see this and so it, it becomes a kind of a background noise and they get worried. And we see in the research that it's often one of the main reasons why people will not connect to uh, an online, uh, an, uh, an online, a device that is uh, considered to be maybe risky, it could be a nanny cam, it could be connected locks or something like this. They do not want that solution. If in terms of um, security, they're very concerned, as they should be. Uh, and uh, so I think it's incumbent upon, especially operators who are providing this the, uh, internet connectivity to be able to offer uh, to their consumers uh, a security solution which can cover all the devices in the home. Now you can imagine um, with so many things being uh, having a level of connectivity these days that security for these types of companies, um, especially companies you know that are uh, just moving into the connected space, security is not always a top priority or they may not understand it fully. So you take, a, I don't want to point any fingers, but I don't know anything, a, a vacuum cleaner that's connected or a blender that's connected or a coffee maker. Those companies probably do a very good job at their core functionality, which is, you know, making great coffee or whatever it is. But uh, when it comes to how do you secure that connection so that hackers can't use your device as a stepping stone to get to your router uh, and then essentially owning your uh, your whole home network, uh, those companies might not be as uh, have such robust procedures in place as uh, we would recommend, and we see that all the time. And the lower the cost of the device, the less uh, security there there often is there. But even high high end devices may have uh, very lax security. Uh, so we think that operators can really help by providing a blanket type of coverage for all devices that are connected. Um, if they provide the right tools so that subscribers can um, bring it into their home, manage it themselves, see what's, uh, see their security profile, see all of their devices. And if there is a, uh, an attack that it gets blocked, but that subscribers also get a notification because you can have the most secure 
network in the world, but if you don't give a level of visibility to the end user, they're still going to worry about it, right? Because they're still going to see all of this um, in the press about uh, all the type of threats that are out there, etc. So they need to understand it. They need to feel it and see it. And then it adds value because they can uh, see that their network is secure. They can sleep better knowing that in their home, cybersecurity is in place. So that's important, I think. Now, I think there's a joke going around at the moment that the S in IoT stands for security. Um, why do you... <laughs> yeah, I heard that. <laughs> I like it. Um, but why do you yeah. think these companies aren't putting more effort into the securing their products? Because they aren't new now, you know. They, they've been around a, a number of years, and we've been talking about securing these devices for a long while. Yeah, that's a, a good one. Uh, we certainly work with a lot of uh, manufacturers and always encourage uh, more security, but it, it is a, a fight against um, other other things. And I think part of the reason is, um, you know, uh, cons they're, they're not sure how that sells with consumers, having more security in a coffee maker. You know, it's not what the person buying the coffee maker is really thinking about first and foremost when they're looking for that. They might want, you know, a certain type of uh, functionality, but security isn't necessarily on the top of their mind when they're making that purchase. And I think manufacturers are aware of that. And now maybe if they if they market it in the right way, uh, that could be helpful. Um, but there are, uh, you know, nowadays, uh, an average home, I think, in the U.S. is up to you know, 12 or so devices on average connected to the home router. And in many cases, it's upwards of uh, you know, 20, 30. Um, so having uh, great security on every device is, is a tough one. So you can have a, the, the most secure coffee connected, <laughs> coffee maker connected. But if your vacuum cleaner doesn't have that same level of security, um, maybe uh, the hacker would use the vacuum cleaner. To, uh, to enter the household uh, because they're going to search for the weak link and you're only as strong as your weakest link in the, when it comes to um, network security. Uh, so that also could be a factor. We certainly would like to see more uh, companies taking it seriously. We know in many cases some are uh, and we, we often see that they do uh, gain a, gain a uh, benefit uh, from a reputational benefit, a sales benefit when they uh, have a more secure solution. But uh, really when it comes to the home network, we think it takes a player uh, who has visibility of the whole network like the operator to um, provide that kind of uh, all-encompassing security for subscribers. Well, I think that's quite an interesting point because it's really about where almost where blame sits, I think, in the eyes of a consumer. You know, maybe I don't care that my coffee machine gets compromised, but I care that my bank does. But I'm probably going to blame my bank, not my coffee machine. <laughs> right. That's true. Yeah. And I think that. Um, but I, but subscribers get caught in the, the, the uh, you know, kind of uh, question of then how do you secure against all of that? Um, who do you turn to for this type of a solution? And I think more and more um, we see this, operators are stepping into the fold and saying, yeah, you know, we can provide uh, a more secure uh, network connection. Here's how we can do it. Uh, we can give you an application on your phone uh, that has uh, security functionality. 
and you'll be able to manage and see every device in the home. And if one of those devices tries to connect to a, um, uh, a uh, problem site, then you get a notification pushed to your phone, letting you know about it, telling you if there's anything you need to do, maybe in some cases you might need to um, upgrade your firmware version or something of this nature. In other cases, you know, you'll just know, hey, there was an attack. Everything is okay. It was blocked. You can function as, as usual. Um, it gives people that kind of that kind of peace of mind that um, you know they are, they are protected because it's certainly something people are worried about today. I think people really sit up and take notice and start to worry when we talk about nanny cams or any products targeted at children. Mm. So how how would this help with that? You know, with any sort of parental controls over what kids are doing on their devices because. I'm sure they're they're all if they're anything like mine, sort of spending a lot more time on devices than they were a year ago. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, you know, especially again, everything it, it's sort of like this was a big problem before COVID, and now it's just a problem on steroids because uh, kids in many cases had to uh, you know work you know do their homework and uh, schoolwork at home, uh, not going to classes, actually being uh, on those devices even more uh, than they were before. Uh, so the problems, of course, gotten worse uh, in COVID, in, in the COVID period. And um, what we see is that uh, the amount of time online, of course, for kids is going up. Uh, the amount of devices in the home uh, for kids uh, is going up. Uh, so, and, and we all know how interesting uh, the connected experiences. So there's all types of uh, video that's free to watch. There's all types of games they can play online connected. Uh, there's Playstations, Xboxes with all types of games as well. And uh, while, you know, the internet can be used for some incredible uh, amounts of good, uh, there's also uh, the issue of, uh, you know, how much is too much and you want to manage that experience. So more and more, uh, I think uh, pa parents are looking for solutions which can give them an overview of all the devices in the home, um, be able to um, assign uh, devices to certain users. So for instance, with our trusted home solution, you can look at your full device list and, and assign uh, users so you can see quite easily well, this device is owned, you know, this is the PlayStation, this is my son's iPhone, this is my son's um, PC, uh, you know, put it all uh, under his name and then assign rules and uh, uh, certain types of uh, behavior, filters, uh, whatever you need to do to that user. So we're going to put down a bedtime, for instance, uh, from 8 p.m. to 7 a.m. The devices won't work with the exception of this one, which can work for, you know, some sort of homework functionality. Then within within those parameters, let's say I want to set a limit of uh, two hours a day uh, online for all these devices, PlayStation and, and whatnot, because um, you know we think that's that's enough online time. And by the way, we also want to block uh, you know YouTube or Reddit or one of these uh, websites or Facebook because uh, we see there's too much activity going on there, and we just don't think it's necessary uh, for, our, for our kids to be on that particular site. Uh, so that's also, and then you can have some understanding of what's going on. If your 
uh, son or daughter um, uh, reaches their two-hour limit, you get a notification to your phone. You know that, that for the day their, their time is up and to be on the alert if they start borrowing your device or whatever. Um, and it gives you an understanding, again, peace of mind that there is some layer of control. You might want to unpause a device because, you know, the, your, your kid's going to work on uh, his homework assignment. That's fine. Unpause it. Go ahead. Uh, but without that, you know, with the amount of devices out there it, and, uh, you know, everyone being so busy, it's quite hard to monitor these things. Uh, so you need tools to do it in the connected world. Now, you mentioned around video streaming earlier, and I think that's a really fascinating space. So what risks are facing that sector at the moment, and ha have they increased this year? Uh, video streaming? Um, well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the whole, uh, uh, you know, uh, internet uh, usage in the home has gone up exponentially. Uh, we see video streaming also uh, going up uh, exponentially in terms of uh, how much people are, are consuming. Um, and it, it also goes to traditional um, pay TV as well. People are uh, increasing their, their you know, old school pay TV subscriptions because, uh, you know, they're just at home more. So they're, they're in, they want more entertainment. Um, so, you know, that has a whole other uh, element to it in terms of uh, all of the different services uh, that are now available. And the uh, pressure on operators to provide, you know, more and better, first of all, online uh, video services, and uh, also, of course, um, a better uh, internet connection. So, not only do you need uh, today in order to do all of that video streaming, you need great bandwidth speed so that everybody in the house can uh, can can start streaming video, but you also need uh, to uh, to be able to support that level of connectivity everywhere, not just in near the, near the television or near the couch uh, as in the living room or in the bedroom, but everywhere in the house because it can happen uh, anywhere. You might want to be on a Zoom call in one room and then move to the other room. Uh, so it, it is really, I mean, we see operators across the board wanting to not just provide great, uh, great internet connection to the door, but provide great Wi-Fi within the home. Uh, and in order to do that, they need, first of all, the right kind of um, devices so that you know, routers and extenders, and in many cases we see uh, companies moving towards mesh routers, which means a sort of seamless connection within the home so that you can move freely from one uh, extender to the other, not have to change your SSID or you know, change your, your, you know, go into a different internet environment you just walk through, have a seamless connection. And then you need the software to be able to manage that connection and to make sure that you have the best connection. Uh, so operators definitely are seeing that and, um, and also moving towards providing a full home Wi-Fi experience, not just um, you know, great internet speeds. And when you mentioned connected cars as well, you know, I think we're all we're all nervous around what that what that looked like and what that could mean in our, our future. But what are what are you seeing? What do you think we're going to see as kind of the trends or the security risks there? So there's a there's quite a lot. I mean, um, if you talk about getting into the car's uh, main uh, you know, the, the router of the car, essentially, 
that can present a lot of risks for automobile manufacturers. Automobile manufacturers also are, are relatively new to connectivity. Uh, so many of the solutions we talk to them about in terms of how to secure that, uh, how to make sure your, your car is hacker proof, uh, it becomes um, uh, is a very new thing and they're uh, interested to learn about it, but it, it really takes time to, uh, to make a, a fully secure uh, automobile. We have a product called uh, Keystone, which helps to secure the keyless entry uh, into the car. So you think about you know, just using your phone and as you, um, you know, push the open button, the car opens up and it turns on when you're sitting there and by the, the profile of the person in the car, uh, you can tell by your phone, it can uh, apply certain rules. So for instance, um, for your, if you have a teenage son or daughter and you don't want them going so fast, you can apply rules to, uh, to that. So say, well, you're not going to be able to go above, you know, 50 miles an hour or something like this. Uh, and within this certain radius, they can't go outside of this uh, the radius. So you can apply um, all these, uh, you know, different settings for, uh, for different users. So certainly a lot of um, things that can be done with connectivity and um, many uh, benefits to it. Um, with connected cars, with uh, being able to, um, you know, have uh, the, the future, of course, is uh, the autonomous vehicle, driverless, but <laughs> the, that, that car has to be connected all the time. And then uh, the security becomes that much more important. Uh, so we do see, uh, you know, risks there. If you can, if a, if a hacker can infiltrate a car, you know, you could even say that's much uh, more dangerous because then you actually have a level of physical danger. Uh, somebody can uh, tamper with the braking system, you know, a worst case scenario type of thing. Um, or the uh, if it's an autonomous vehicle, autonomous driven, a tamper with some of those features so that it, it doesn't do what it's supposed to do. Uh, those types of things um, obviously are very very dangerous, and uh, automobile manufacturers really have to make sure that they have the right uh, solutions in place to prevent that level of um, that type of uh, attack. Uh, one of the ways to do it uh, is to have a system where you can um, predict behavior. So we, we work uh, on analytics, understanding, uh, and this is the same actually as, as in the connected home, understanding what devices and what uh, different uh, uh, functions of a car or in a house, different devices in the house, what they should be doing, what's their approved profile of behavior, and what's the inappropriate uh, profile of behavior. So for instance, in the connected home, if you have a, a video camera and it's supposed to connect back to a certain cloud environment, that's acceptable. But if it starts trying to connect to a server, say, uh, in a different country uh, where it's not supposed to connect to, that could be flagged as uh, inappropriate behavior, stopped, and you would get uh, a notification about it. Same as cars, you know. Um, there's, there's different uh, parts of the car that are supposed to have different profiles, things that they're supposed to do. Maybe your braking system is supposed to report back to a server on, on how it's doing and get information on how it could improve. Uh, but it's not supposed to connect to other websites around the world or other parts of the car. Uh, so uh, these types of things need to be tracked. And this is where machine learning comes into play and uh, a, you know AI algorithms to understand this acceptable behavior, 
the more data you can drive towards that, of course, the better your model gets. And so we are working to, you know, try to be uh, the best in this field of um, understanding uh, security threats so you can actually predict them in some cases and stop them, um, you know, before they even happen. Uh, and uh, so this is a definite trend in, in our industry and uh, one that's, I think, going to help improve uh, security across the board. Now, we end each podcast with 10 quick-fire questions, uh, all focused on you. So, are you ready? Sure. Go for it. So, what turns you on professionally? I would say new challenges. Um, you know, trying to expand the horizon, move into new areas, and uh, bring our company's uh, values to, to new places. What turns you off professionally? When you try to do it and it doesn't work out like you planned. <laughs> <laughs> How do you unwind? Well, uh, you know, with my family, I like uh, to play tennis. Um, uh, sports is a great way to unwind. Exercise, and uh, of course, I'm not immune to the video streaming trick. <laughs> <laughs> what profession other than your own would you like to try? Um... Other than my own, hmm. Well, I, I, I always like uh, the idea of, of helping people. So, um, you know, any any situation where uh, you could, I could, you know, teaching, uh, and especially in the sports field, I've always enjoyed sports. So teaching kids in sports would always be something I'd like to do. What activity gives you the most energy? Uh, aside from podcasts, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, of course, of course. No, uh, I would say uh, presenting in general, uh, and when I'm uh, speaking in front of groups, yeah, that that does uh, that energizes me. Who is your biggest inspiration? Biggest inspiration was my my grandfather, um, who uh, was a it was a character. Somebody once described him as a piece of Mount Rushmore that had fallen off and was walking around. Uh, very, very tough guy, but uh, taught me a lot of good lessons. If you had to present a speech right now, what one word would be its subject? Security. <laughs> Do you know what? I'm not sure anyone's actually said that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's been a theme in our discussion, so it's certainly on top of my head. Yeah. <laughs> you are at your best when you're doing what? I would say uh, doing uh, new things, uh, trying to um, leverage uh, the strengths that we have as a, as a company or that I have personally and, and bring it forward into, into new areas. If today was the last day of your life, what one lesson would you impart? Uh, I would say perseverance, um, audacity, hard work always pay off in the end so just have to keep at it and if heaven exists what would you like to hear god say as the reason he is letting you through the gates you may not have been perfect all the time but you did your best so we're letting you in <laughs> <laughs> i think most of us are hoping for that one <laughs> yeah well there was so much that we could have gone into there but um you know i think that's that's been a really good overview on some of the challenges kind of facing some of the more 
more cutting edge technology that we work with. So thank you so much for talking with us today. Well, thank you, Carl. I really appreciate the opportunity. Look forward to trying again sometime. Thank you for listening to today's episode. For the latest episodes, please subscribe. And for future conversations, reach out on Twitter and LinkedIn.